Welcome to the Mile High Flight Show, where a Jets fan and a Broncos fan get together to talk about the NFL and the world of sports. I'm your host, Ryan Marinholtz, and let's jump right into this. So we got a ton of news for you guys today, and then we'll go through some of the games that happened over the weekend. Uh, First of all, our new stories, Colts waived the kicker Rodrigo Blankenship after a bad week one game. He passed through waivers and is now a free agent, Uh, so a solid kicker there for the taking uh, and you know obviously struggled missed a game winner in that week one game uh, I, I kind of understand why the Colts did that um, but you know at the same time he's proven himself to be solid so I'll be excited to see where he lands uh, Broncos news Justin Simmons put on short-term IR after suffering a quad injury in week one against the Seahawks hopes to be back after four weeks uh, and yeah I mean so being put on short-term IR the minimum he is gonna miss is four weeks Um, But it sounds like overall it's not a severe injury, more precautionary, and they just want to make sure he's 100% um, before they send him back out there. Um, So lucky breaks there, especially in a game where uh, Jamal Adams had a quad injury as well, but a much more severe one that unfortunately ended his season. Pat Sertan and Jerry Judy announced his day-to-day with their shoulder and rib injuries respectively suffered in Week 2 against the Texans. Uh, Another super lucky break here for the Denver Broncos. Uh, You know, obviously they came out of that game in Week 2 and nobody was really sure how much time they were going to miss. We were all kind of sitting there chattering our teeth hoping that it wasn't going to be too severe. Um, And luckily for both of them, uh, it appears to be a situation where uh, they should be back sooner than later. Quinn Miners will miss multiple games with a hamstring injury uh, and yet another important injury for the Denver Broncos, Um, but luckily sounds like, again, something similar to Justin Simmons where, uh, you know, it's not totally severe, but they want to be precautionary, uh, and he's honestly right now arguably one of next two Garrett Bulls, if not our best offensive lineman um, in his second year there, so very excited for him to get back. Uh, He had a great week one game before suffering that injury, so... Mac Jones will play Sunday against the Steelers after dealing with back spasms and illness throughout the week. And Justin Herbert diagnosed with a rib cartilage fracture after Thursday's game against the Chiefs. He's considered day-to-day. Very, very lucky for the Chargers there. And, you know, we'll get into it a a little bit later as we go through that game. Um, But, wow, what a performance from him to suffer that um, and then do what he did in that game. And, unfortunately, ended up in a loss for the Chargers. But, uh, yeah, crazy. 49ers punter Mitch Wisnowski uh, signs a four-year extension worth up to $13 million with the 49ers. Well-deserved. He's been great for them, and you love to see those uh, kickers and punters get their money. So, let's move right on to some of the games here. Uh, first of all, their Thursday night game to open up the week, Chargers versus Chiefs. A very nice game between two Super Bowl contenders. The Chargers were able to start fast and take the lead keeping it through halftime, 10-7, on a great receiving day from Mike Williams and a first-quarter Xander Horvath touchdown, a rookie fullback there, and he's had two in two games. you love to see that. Uh, with the Chiefs' defense struggling to keep them contained to start the game, and the Chiefs' offense looked like the Chiefs, you know, always do, scoring on a classic Mahomes sidearm to Jarek McKinnon, even against a, form- a formidable Chargers D with the addition of J.C. Jackson for the first time in this game who looked great as expected, even returning soon after his ankle surgery. Despite playing solid all game, the D had some missed opportunities though, having an interception called back for illegal contact, as well as one dropped later on, which could have let the Chargers run away with the game. And, you know, both of those calls, kind of controversial. If you're going to ask me, 
I personally think, you know, the, the bobbled one, it was bobbled. It touched the ground. He did not have control. That's pretty open and shut to me. Um, the illegal contact one has been a little bit more debated. And I think I'm somewhere in the middle on this because I do think that uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling on that play after the illegal contact from Bryce Hall- Callahan uh, kind of threw him to the ground. And so I think you could be called for uh, offensive pass interference there. However, by the definition of the rule, even though Bryce Callahan clearly didn't intend to initiate the contact uh, because Marcus Valdez-Scantling's route just kind of went right into where he was at um, and then he lost his balance and was thrown, he still initiated the contact. So by rule, that's a legal contact. Uh, We can talk about it all day, uh, but at the end of the day, that's, that's the definition of the rule. They called the rule and we move on. So... After halftime, things went up a notch uh, with the Chargers scoring again early, but the Chiefs defense roaring back to life and racking up some huge stops, a near safety, and most importantly, a 99-yard pick six by rookie corner Jalen Watson on the goal line to change the momentum of the game and tie it up in the third quarter. The Chargers defense started to let more points slip through the cracks, and the Chiefs racked up a 10-point lead before Justin Herbert proved uh, once again why he is in the elite conversation willing his team to seven points on a drive where he sustained a a rib injury on a hit, and even though the pain, or even through the pain, was able to make a huge throw to get them into the red zone and convert on a fourth and goal to score. Unfortunately, it was too little too late as the Chiefs recovered the ensuing onside kick and sealed the game. And as we talked about in the news section there with Justin Herbert's injury, you know, lucky for him it wasn't more severe, um, but nothing to play around with with rib injuries. That stuff is super painful. And so for him to uh, only miss one play, come back out there and just be lights out, uh, just drive that team down the field. Uh, I swear that play, uh, I think it was DeAndre Carter that he threw to to get them into the red zone on that drive. That throw would be absurd for a fully healthy, you know, like top 20 NFL quarterback, like completely healthy, just completely normal. And my dude did it like three plays after suffering a rib injury. Just insane. He had so much zip on that ball, as he always does. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's an insane player. You love to see it. But it doesn't work out for the Chargers in the end. Uh, And just a game of missed opportunities for the Chargers. And uh, you talk about uh, a little bit earlier in the game, there was a couple instances where they could have maybe uh, gone for it or gone for a field goal, but they decided to punt and give their defense another opportunity. Um, And I get those decisions from Brennan Staley considering how well the defense was playing. But at the same time, uh, I think we all know at this point, facing Mahomes and the Chiefs, uh, when it comes to them scoring points, it's a matter of when and not if. And so you've got to take every opportunity you can get and try to score on it. Uh, And if you, uh, you know, miss a fourth down and give them the ball back, it is what it is. But at least you can say you tried. Um, And it is kind of funny coming from a coach uh, in Staley that, was criticized last year for going for it too much, in quotations, which I always thought was a kind of a bad criticism anyways, um, but it is kind of funny to see the opposite here. So let's move right on to Jets at Browns, a battle between two good rosters led by backup quarterbacks. The Browns came out strong, led by Nick Chubb in the backfield, racking up a three-touchdown game, but the Jets' defense kept him in check uh, with overall yards, only managing 87 throughout the game, and Jacoby Brissett making the throws he needed to to keep the chains moving. 
The Jets' offense responded right back, though, with some dimes from elite Jets and Broncos legend Joe Flacco, with Garrett Wilson being heavily featured and leading the team with 102 passing yards and two touchdowns, and Corey Davis not far behind with 83 yards and a tutty as well. The Browns were able to play from in front for the whole game, with uh, Nick Chubb scoring his last touchdown with only two minutes left in the fourth quarter, making the score 17-30 after a missed point after, and that one point what end up being the difference. As some Jets magic ensued, and Flacco found Corey Davis wide open on a 66-yard touchdown on the next drive, converted an onside kick to get the ball back with just over a minute left, and drove down the field, finding rookie standout Garrett Wilson on a post over the middle to take the lead, and Ashton Davis sealed the deal, intercepting Jacoby Brissett and finishing a crazy, crazy comeback. Uh, and, you know, one of the just weirdest games uh, of the week there. But, um, you know, what a win. What a win for the Jets. And I got to point out uh, my dude, Will Parks, Philly Will, uh, former Bronco and now Jet, uh, on that onside kick. If you watch it, he was the first uh, Jet to touch the ball, and it was going straight to Amari Cooper, straight into his hands, just bouncing on the ground. And uh, Will Parks just came screaming in there, uh, and made some contact with Amari Cooper, uh, you know, made the ball kind of uh, juggle out and uh, ended up in the Jets' hands, and, uh, you know, now it's history. Uh, and so you got to love that from a guy who's kind of bounced around the league a little bit, um, but I've, I've always loved his heart and the way that he plays. Such a passionate player, and you love to see that come through in a huge, huge moment for the Jets, uh, stealing a win against a Browns roster that, granted, they don't have their starting quarterback right now, um, but it's still a very, very tough roster, and you saw that on Sunday. And let's move on to the Broncos versus the Texans. Uh, this one's going to be fun. So, in one of the more unusual games of the week, the Texans came to town as the Broncos looked to bounce back from the sloppy game one in Seattle, but unfortunately for Broncos country, just about everything that plagued the team in game one was here in spades, with the Broncos racking up penalty after penalty in what felt like nearly every play struggling to finish drives in the red zone, and very, very bad time management, having enough delay of game calls that the fans started counting down the play clock when the Broncos were on offense just to make sure they knew where it was at. Nathaniel Hackett also wasted all three second-half timeouts on management issues in a close game, two on avoiding yet another delay of game call, and then the third one because there was no returner out on the field for a punt after the defense made a big stop to give the ball back to the offense late in the game, which is just unexcusable. And some of this is on Nathaniel Hackett, some of this is on other staff, um, but unexcusable. Speaking of the defense, though, they played a great game, even missing two of their best players in Justin Simmons and Pat Sertan coming out of the game with a shoulder injury and kept the Broncos entirely in the game despite the offensive woes. Jerry Judy was also injured early, leaving the Broncos scrapping together players uh, to line up at wide receiver other than Cortland Sutton, who had his first game of over 100 yards this season. Credit to the Texans' defense for keeping a hold on the potentially explosive Broncos' offense, and on the offensive side for them, Davis Mills having a solid game alongside running back, uh, a rookie running back, Damian Pierce, who got his first heavy workload of his career and looked great doing it, putting up a respectable 69 yards on 15 carries for a 4.6-yard average against a Broncos defense that could compete for best in the league. I said last week that the Seahawks' loss was maybe the most encouraging loss I've seen in a long time, 
and this week I can easily say this was the most discouraging win I've watched in a long time. The prospects of the lights-out defense even with injuries is intriguing, and the offense has a bevy of potential with both a strong running game and a great passing attack, but through two games, the red zone efficiency, penalties, and time management have shot this team in the foot at every possible opportunity. With that said, the fact that this is only Nathaniel Hackett's second game as a head coach remains true. Plus, despite all of the mistakes, this offense is currently number one in the league in efficiency in yards per drive, so some patience remains necessary. However, the fact the problems got worse from game one to game two, and especially going from an away game in a hostile environment to a home opener with an absolutely pumped crowd is unacceptable, and if things continue not to improve from game to game, a real conversation may need to be had about Nathaniel Hackett as the Broncos head coach, which is the opposite of what you want to be saying just two games into his tenure. Still though, a win's a win, and I will say my stance on all of this has softened as the week has gone on, the more I've rewatched the game. Uh, Some things need to be understood about what's happening, right? And you talk about uh, the offense still having the number one uh, offense uh, in efficiency and yards per drive, we're moving the ball. Like, that's not the issue. Um, the play calling has been solid. I think at times they need to just, uh, you know, run the ball more. They need to not try to get so fancy. Uh, you know, Jerry Judy got injured on uh, kind of like fancy double pass um, where they pass it to the running back and then back to Russell Wilson. And it's just one of those things where sometimes, especially against a team against the Texans, just do what you got to do. You don't have to get all fancy with it. Uh, And then once you get your feet under you, then start to pull out some of that fancy stuff. You know what I mean? But right now, they just need to be making sure that they're getting up to the line, not committing penalties, getting the playoff, and, and finishing drives. You know what I mean? And then in the red zone... I do think, again, you can talk about play calling in the sense that they can get a little less fancy with it, but there's context to the fact of, yes, the red zone woes have been awful, and we've really struggled. Actually, I don't know that we've actually scored in the red zone yet, Um, but the point is there's been multiple plays throughout these two games that just haven't gone our way. Uh, You talk about in this game, the first touchdown to uh, Cortland Sutton that we thought was a touchdown and his toe was just out a little bit. Uh, Same thing last week with um, Eric Tomlinson out at the side of the end zone there, Uh, and then you had another catch by uh, Albert O that was like right on the goal line. There were these plays where it wasn't bad play calling, it wasn't bad execution, it's just inches, a game of inches, and sometimes things don't go your way. And guys, it's two games. Let's chill a little bit. However, the one thing that I will say that needs to improve and that there isn't really excuses for is the, the time management and, for instance, having not having a returner out on a punt. That is just absolutely unacceptable. And yes, it's rookie mistakes, but as a head coach of a football team, you can't be having those types of rookie mistakes. Uh, you look at like Mike McDaniels and uh, other rookie head coaches, they're not doing that kind of stuff. Um, and not that everybody's going to be perfect immediately, and Nathaniel Hackett has done a lot of things right so far, so I don't want to be one of those people right now, because there's a lot of them that are just acting like he's the worst coach of all time, he can't do anything right. That's blatantly untrue. He's done a lot of things right, this offense looks good, 
the hire of Ajiro Evero as defensive coordinator was clearly a good decision because this defense looks fantastic, even with some injuries. Like, there's a lot to like here, but at the same time, uh, a lot needs to be fixed. And so, you know, kind of like I said uh, in the initial, uh, like, go-through of the game there, if we continue to see it not improve throughout the season, I think that's when a real conversation needs to be had. Uh, But right now, let's just lick our wounds, take the win as we got it, uh, even though it almost didn't happen. Um, But just move on and focus on the 49ers, try to get better, try to improve those penalties, um, try to improve that time management, uh, and let's just see where it gets us. And a reminder to Broncos country that the expectation of this whole Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett thing working out in the very first year was a long shot to begin with. People need to understand that this stuff doesn't just happen overnight. You need some time to mesh. Uh, Russell Wilson needs time to mesh, especially when he's uh, his wide receivers are dropping like flies. You know what I mean? It's a little bit harder to score those touchdowns, a little bit harder to move that ball when you don't have uh, that chemistry built up over years and years. And the same is true of Nathaniel Hackett uh, and his coaching staff. They're learning each other because they're a new staff together. They're learning uh, their new roles as it's their first time, uh, all of them, in their new roles and being the head coach, being the offensive coordinator, being the defensive coordinator, being the special teams coordinator. All of that stuff takes time. So let's just take a deep breath and see how we do against the 49ers and take the win where we can get it. So let's move right on to the Raiders versus the Cardinals. Uh, the Raiders were able to do whatever they wanted to start this game, racking up a 20-0 score before halftime on a struggling Cardinals offense, with the defense taking away Devontae Adams for the most part, but Carr able to find other options all day. However, the Cardinals defense showed up in the second half, holding the Raiders to only three more points as the offense stampeded their way to three touchdowns with two two-point conversions to tie the game and send it to overtime. The Cardinals got another break getting the ball first, but couldn't score, turning it over on downs on a fourth and one, and giving Carr and the Raiders the opportunity to seal it, and after a Hunter Renfro fumble that was recovered by the Raiders, luckily for them, uh, and crossed them over midfield, the game looked to be decided at that point uh, that they were going to kick a field goal, but the football gods said nay, and Hunter Renfro fumbled yet again on the very next play, this time picked up by Byron Murphy and taken untouched down the sideline for a walk-off scoop and score overtime win. And, I mean, what a fun game. You know, obviously the Cardinals struggling to open the season there, uh, but getting their stuff together in that second half, the defense showing up, the offense doing its thing. What a play by Kyler Murray. You talk about the touchdown in the uh, two-point conversion to get it to overtime. Um, I think everybody's seen that play at this point where he covered like 80-some yards and was scrambling all around the field and then ended up just walking it in for the touchdown and then finding A.J. Green in the back of the end zone uh, for that two-point conversion to uh, take it to overtime there. And then, yeah, I mean, to me, what a microcosm of what football is to have a game where you think you're in overtime the team who's gotten the ball second so they can score with either or they can score and win the game with either a field goal or a touchdown has now crossed midfield they're almost in a field goal position there you think everybody in the stadium thinks it's over all it takes is one play one good tackle pop the ball out Byron Murphy uh being able to scoop and score I mean 
what a just electric play and like I said a microcosm of what football is uh, and how exciting it can be and how it's never over until it's over so uh, and there were a few games like that this week including the Jets and Browns uh, you talk about the Jets coming back with two minutes left scoring two touchdowns uh, to take the lead there um, and only winning it off of a one point uh, that the Browns uh, kicker missed their field goal on that final touchdown um, and then you also talk about Nick Chubb like everybody's saying he could have uh, sat down and you know let them run out the clock and yes that's true but at the same time, I mean, who wouldn't score thinking you're going to go up 13 points and the game should be decided at that point with two minutes left, um, but anything can happen. So that is going to do it for us today. Of course, check us out on social media at Mile High Flight Show on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube and at MHFS Podcast for both Twitter and our merch on Redbubble. Thank you so much to everyone that listens. This has been the Mile High Flight Show. And we'll see you guys next week.